You're listening to The Capital Table. Private capital markets have been evolving for many years, but never more so than in recent times. Take a seat at The Capital Table with leading experts discussing insights into the private equity and M&A world, and take away the knowledge you need to excel in a rapidly changing marketplace. We know this is one table you'll leave feeling full and satisfied. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the Capital Table. Really excited today to start a series on operations themes and discussions around uh, portfolio companies and deals in M&A. With us, we have Travis Loomis, who leads our operations and supply chain consulting practice. And we're going to launch a series here that we are calling the Supply Chain Fast Five. So welcome, Travis. Thank you, Steve. Happy to be here. Yeah, excited to have uh, Travis on with us on the capital table and leading this part of our advisory practice. So let's focus today around topics on inventory, inventory management, risk assessment, and I guess to kick us off, Travis, Discuss the evolution of inventory management and what COVID has done to displace or disrupt typical approaches to inventory management. Sure, yeah, so pre-COVID, I think there was a continuous push to get inventory levels as lean as possible to the point of, you know, just-in-time line-side inventory. And this was something that was a common sticking point both in public corporations um, responding to investors or even M&A transactions where target companies were reducing inventory carrying costs and freeing up as much working capital uh, as they possibly could. And the challenge that comes with just-in-time inventory that everyone is realizing or has realized is it makes you rather inflexible during large swings in both supply and demand if it's not rolled out properly. And this is exactly what COVID ended up exposing in almost every industry. So now when interruptions occur in supply, the shift has been huge swings because everyone flocks to the notion, well, we have no idea when we're going to be able to get this again or how long this is going to last. So let's buy up exact everything that we can uh, so that we're covered. And what's happening is that there's not nearly enough supply to serve all of the customers. And so businesses are creating allocation strategies and pushing out lead times as far as they can to still maintain their customer relationships. Yeah, and certainly those are issues that uh, most businesses are are facing now and really great insights. So, you know, with that, how have the supply chain challenges shifted the view of setting inventory targets in both the long term and the short term? Well, the view in the immediate short term is that there are no targets. Uh, the, the lens has shifted a little bit more from just in time to just in case, just because it's been so challenging to get the quantity that you ordered in full and on time. Um, and so this is creating large swings in inventory, both up and down because of the continued level of uncertainty. And companies are getting a little bit of a pass because the demand continues to be so strong and every effort that can be made to maintain the business continuity uh, is being prioritized. However, in the in the long term, I think companies will need to reevaluate their product portfolio 
both from a finished goods and raw material perspective to ensure the long-term business health. Um, and a, a, a big piece that I think they'll need to add to their inventory management strategy is something called an inventory risk assessment. Yeah, that's interesting. So let's let's talk about what is an inventory risk assessment and what are some of the risk factors that our audience should be considering when conducting an inventory risk assessment. Sure, yeah. So the inventory risk assessment is not really a new concept, but it has been pushed, I think, to the forefront just given the current economic headwinds that everyone is facing. And it involves categorizing raw materials into high, medium, and low buckets of risk, similar to how you would do a velocity code analysis with A's, B's, and C's. The factors that you could be considering can be a number of different things, but some common considerations are sourcing options, price sensitivity, substitution capabilities, and overall usage. And so, for instance, on the sourcing options, you need to evaluate how reliable your vendors are and are they meeting their expectations on quality, quantity, um, and lead times. Obviously, less so now more than ever, but are you still able to get your orders filled enough in order to minimize your lost sales with your customers? And if not, are there other vendors out there and do you have any relationships with them where they can assist in filling out your orders in a pinch? Um, Another big topic is price sensitivity. And although this is more common in the commodity markets, it's now becoming a more prevalent attribute to pay attention to everywhere as supply interruptions occur almost at random and tend to come in large waves, creating larger than expected swings in the procurement costs. And then I mentioned substitution options. If you already have evaluated your substitution options in your recipe or your finished product, um, how much of a swing is that creating in your standard costs? Or if you haven't, are there any secondary alternatives that can be used? And so ultimately, when you answer these kinds of questions as part of your inventory risk profile or assessment, it gives you those extra data points to establish the criticality of those raw materials and categorize them into high, medium, and low risk. And then you're able to make those better informed business decisions on what to do when a supply shift occurs so suddenly. And in the context of an M&A transaction, having specific reasons for the fluctuations in inventory levels, both up or down, will be helpful for both parties. Yeah, it's very you know insightful into what's going on in the shift. So, but on that point of substitutions and sourcing options, what happens if the alternatives are at a higher cost per unit? I'm glad you brought that up. And this is something that I want to cover um, in more detail with you another time. But an important piece to this is making sure you have an accurate understanding of your standard product costs as well as the alternatives. Without that strong foundation of costing, I think companies will continuously be behind the eight ball on understanding if those risk mitigating strategies that they're employing are enough to maintain their expected levels of profitability and product margin. So you mentioned substitutions. Um, Companies need to make sure that they know the true difference in the cost per unit as well as the impacts to the manufacturing process. So that could be anything from changes in machine rates for both runtime and setup, additional quality checks or further assembly and handling down the process line, and ultimately if the yields are any different from the primary to the secondary. All of these questions, you know, really need to be answered in order to 
in order to get a complete cost per unit differential between using the primary and the secondary option. And then beyond that, they need to understand which customers are buying those finished products that have the substituted input and whether or not they have room for negotiation on price with those customers. And so this further involves a customer segmentation analysis, as well as the ability to compare standard product costs to actual product costs immediately as it's produced. And so without all of these vital data points kind of culminating together um, in an in, in immediate form, manufacturers will continue on for possibly months before realizing that they didn't increase their pricing enough to cover those changes in their cost inputs and ultimately profitability targets may be missed. Yeah, certainly in the competitive environment and the economic situation, critical for for manufacturers to get ahead of that so ahead of this issue so that's a great point i as you were talking about that you mentioned customer relationships briefly but if we look at it more broadly what are some of the changes coming out of the pandemic between the relationships of suppliers to manufacturers to customers yeah uh, well it's actually been an interesting shift because previously again there was always this avoidance of maybe oversharing information or overcommitting to forecasts greater than maybe a month or a quarter out for fear of that of that missing their sales targets and inventory not hitting their very lean targets that they were setting um, on a days of supply viewpoint. But because of the uncertainty and oftentimes scarcity right now of the available inventory or raw materials, B2B and B2C relationships have shared many more data points because they want to be that preferred choice when supply is very tight, like it is now. And so companies have gone even as far as to announce strategic partnerships or even joint ventures because they want those added layers of assurance that they will get the bulk of the available product supply if and when another interruption occurs. And in this case, there oftentimes willing to put some skin in the game to ensure it. So in that sense, I guess it has strengthened the relationships in many cases and created a bit more openness. And then alternatively, any underperforming suppliers or manufacturers have sort of been put in the spotlight and forced to either get better or risk losing their business to the alternatives that are out there and offer more reliable and consistent product delivery. And so one thing that's and that's bubbled up a little bit more is the vendor scorecarding. Um, and although this is, you know, something that I think involves or is more involved on a large, a large company that has a significant amount of bandwidth in their procurement team, lower middle market companies can implement some of these simple metrics to enhance their top vendor relationships from a data-driven perspective. Yeah, again, another very interesting point and something that our you know audience needs to consider certainly for those in private equity is are managing their portfolio companies but as we wrap up this episode Travis I mean what are some final thoughts advice you have on what our audience can do to stay ahead of this curve yeah yeah I mean with all of the external pressures and headwinds that companies can really only react to I think now's the time for companies to be more proactive with as much as they can be that's within their control. And this means looking inward, both at their processes and their capabilities and resources. So 
revisiting or building new processes like standard costing or product portfolio reviews or even basic vendor scorecards or conducting an inventory risk assessment as mentioned will be extremely important so that the next time a disruption occurs all of the executives in the supply chain teams are armed with the right information quickly to make those informed and better business decisions you know not only that but I think supply chain teams now more than ever have a voice and a big seat at the at the table, if you will. And so these leaders need to make sure to position themselves now to maintain that voice long after the economy and external headwinds have stabilized. Yeah, Travis, thanks so much. These are great insights into supply chain issues that companies are facing now and private equity professionals are facing as they manage their portfolio companies. So I think it's been uh, a great pleasure having you for the first episode of the Supply Chain Fast Five. So thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Looking forward to the next one. And to our audience, we look forward to talking to you soon in another episode of The Capital Table. Uh, we'll visit uh, another topic or two before we move on to our next episode of Supply Chain Fast Five. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to The Capital Table. For more information, please visit witham.com. Thank you for listening.